Good morning, church family. Happy March. Did you know that? Did you catch that? It's March already? Oh, this is wobbly. It's going to scare me. Happy March. Lots going on in March. I love March for a lot of reasons. Basketball is still going, which is awesome. Uh, My friend Tom and I are taking our basketball team to the state tournament this month to coach them in the state tournament. That's going to be fun. Uh, College basketball, it's the best ever in college basketball. March Madness might be the best sporting event ever. Uh, Super fun to watch. Baseball begins this month too. So, you know, I'm ready to watch my Giants be a terrible loser yet again this year. Spoiled from years of World Series now, struggling. Uh, And in March, it's my birthday month. Anybody else got a birthday in March? Nice, nice. Uh, everybody think to yourself what, birthday you're, uh, what month your birthday is in and ready to tell me. When's your birthday? Hey, happy birthday then. Have a good time. I won't remember. <laughs> no. So my birthday is this month, uh, and when we have birthdays coming up, we start thinking about gifts sometimes. Sometimes we start thinking about gifts. Sometimes people around us start asking for lists of gifts that they can give us. Uh, when was the last time you, think of the last time you received a gift. Could have been birthday, could have been something different. Think back a few days, a few weeks, a few months. When was the last time you received a gift? And what was the occasion? What uh, feelings did it bring up toward the giver? What reaction did you feel you needed to make as a result of the gift? Those kind of things. Um, And what do we experience? You know, I don't know. Maybe these are unique experiences. Maybe these are shared experiences. What do we experience when we give gifts? I think uh, most of us might agree that kids are a little easier to buy for, right? They have, first of all, their lists are really long. They have lots of things they want slash need. Um, and And they have a lot to choose from, right? And they don't own much. So they have... So they have, a lot to, they have a lot they can ask for. We have a lot to, we could get for them. And then there's these uh, so-called transition years where kids stop liking toys as much. It becomes a little more difficult to buy for them, and it becomes a new experience for them to open their gifts and find socks and underwear and, and practical things like that, right? That transition part of life. And then, um, and then you may have adults in your life that you find are difficult to buy for. Perhaps the older we get, perhaps it becomes more difficult to buy for. We feel like they've been there, done that. We feel like they've got it already. We feel like we know them pretty well, but we've already had X number of years to buy them what we know they like. What do we do now, right? Uh, And then sometimes some of us just buy our own stuff, and our spouse says, yeah, that's for me. (laughs) I've never done that before. Grab your Bibles and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I got us thinking about gifts because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, we're going to be asking God to teach us a bit about something the Bible calls spiritual gifts. And so I want you to grab your Bible. I want you to bring your Bibles with you each Sunday. I want you to pull them out, pull out the device, and open your Bible app and um, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll start reading that in here in just a moment and asking God, to show us what he has for us this morning regarding spiritual gifts. Um, But this morning we resume a series we've been in for months. We enjoy teaching through God's word, passage by passage. 
um, letting God be in charge of what topics come in what weeks. And that's one of the benefits we have of, of choosing a book from God's uh, word, from the Bible, and, and teaching our way through it. So all the way back to September, we've been making our way through 1 Corinthians in a series that we call Better Together. And, uh, and just as a, as a reminder of where we've been and what this letter has covered and, and kind of the setting that we find ourselves in before we read today's passage, um, this is a letter written by a church leader named Paul to Christians in a town called Corinth. Thus, they are the Corinthian Christians, the Corinthians. And uh, Paul is writing this letter to them, and it's had a lot to do with unity. Because, you see, the, church, the Christian church was fractured in various ways. The Corinthian church, I should say, was fractured in various ways. They were divided. We, uh, months ago, we talked about how they were divided over their allegiance to various leaders. Well, you follow so-and-so. I'm going to follow so-and-so. Some others are following this leader more. And, they, and the Corinthians are divided over their, their kind of self, their self-viewed uh, value of themselves. They... Some have begun to think themselves more important than others. The Corinthians are obsessed by power and, um, and status. And, and so they're trying to align themselves with what they think is culturally hip at the time. Who, are, who am I most cool to associate with? How are people going to look best on me? How might I make the most important con- contribution to my church family? The Corinthian church was, was fractured over these things. Uh, they had begun to overvalue the contributions of some of them and undervalue what others had to offer. But in this letter, in this chapter, in this passage that we're going to look at this morning together, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to see that Paul is stressing an equality of all members of the church and how all members of the church have important contributions to make, ways that God wants to use them, each person, for the benefit of the whole family. So let's, uh, let's read a few, um, verses 1 through 11. I'll read those. You can follow along, and then we'll take a closer look. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually 
as he wills. Father God, as we always do, we want to lift our eyes to you, open our hearts and minds to what you have for us this morning. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you have given us the opportunity this morning and every day to keep our finger in the text, in your written word to us. God, help us to study carefully, help us to open our hearts and minds. Help us, uh, we ask that the Holy Spirit would help us to reflect and would give us insight and would remind us this morning or teach us this morning just what, what you, God, have for us this morning. So we give you this time and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Spiritual gifts, this is a great topic, okay? This is something I have enjoyed in, in my many years following Jesus. Spiritual gifts is something that I find fascinating. It's something that I think is interesting to study about. Um, I'm also interested in goofy stuff like personality tests and strengths and weaknesses and, and learning about myself and learning about those around me and how I can interact better with those people. And so um, the, all those things are interesting. But then when it comes to God's word, when it comes to our journey following Jesus, when it comes to him changing us into the people he wants us to be, I think spiritual gifts is, is a, a fascinating topic. And it should be of interest to all of us as followers of Jesus. And, and while we have it covering, we're covering this, a passage this morning and there's going to be more on spiritual gifts in the coming weeks, I, I, I still think it's going to be a challenge to cover it all, you know. To really come to grips with what it is or what all the different gifts are or what your spiritual gifts is. So I, let's, let's take a look. Let's ask God to show us something this morning. Um, but perhaps it's just the beginning of study for you. Uh, finding resources, continuing to study other passages in your, in your Bible and asking God to reveal things in this, in this area. But uh, for this morning, I've been helped, as I always am, by various resources, by multiple scholars, by different commentary books that I study from. Uh, and in particular was helped this week by a, a pastor and author named Stephen Um. So let's look, back at the, uh, let's look back at the passage. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, it, it's interesting right here um, in, the, in the English language that you're reading, the Bible was translated from different languages, in this case Greek. And, and right away we see it says spiritual gifts because this passage and the coming chapters are going to discuss what spiritual gifts are. And yet in, in this case, it's a different word than refers to spiritual gifts later. And so some scholars wonder if it would be better to translate this now concerning spiritual things or spirituality. See, the Corinthians have written a letter to Paul. They, Paul started their church got them going, got them following Jesus, and they're doing a great job in some areas, and they're struggling in other areas, and so they have questions for him, and they've written him a letter, and he's writing them back, and so that's why he says, now, concerning spiritual things, or concerning spirituality, or concerning how you express your spirituality, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, that means non-Jewish people, Gentile people. When you were disbelieving of God, when you were anti-God, you were led astray to these idols. And so right away we get this contrast. I think what Paul's doing there is contrasting the Corinthians' former way of life as idolaters, as, as non-God-believing people. He's contrasting that to their present experience as Christians, they were non-Jewish people. 
non, non-Christian people and, and now through Christ um, are Christians who speak by the Spirit of God within them. Verse 3 says, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Perhaps they are concerned, we're not sure exactly what's going on here, perhaps they're concerned that if, that if some Christians speaking in tongues might say some blasphemous things that they wouldn't understand, and then that seems dangerous because now what are they talking about, God? Are they, are they correct in their wording? But he's assuring them no one ever says that Jesus is accursed if they're, if they're truly a Christian, if they have the Spirit of God within them. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord. No one can genuinely profess faith in Jesus Christ. No one can genuinely from the heart proclaim that Jesus is Lord except those that are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that have God himself living within them. So, so again, who is it that would be able to genuinely proclaim Jesus is Lord? Christians, followers of Jesus, that's who um, uh, could, could genuinely proclaim what's in verse 3 there, that Jesus is Lord. Well, who are followers of Jesus? That's a good place to remind ourselves. It's, a, it's, it's never, this, this is good news that we want to talk about every Sunday. The gospel is, good, is the good news that God, our holy and perfect, on high, almighty God, creator of the heavens and the earth, wants to know you. The glory of the gospel, the gospel is the good news that our great God rescues sinners like you and me. Our great and mighty, holy and perfect God would look upon and would pursue and would want to know and out of his great love for us would enact a rescue plan to take you and I out of our sinful selfishness into forgiveness and new life, life now and life forever with God. That's good news, right? That's who followers of Jesus are, is those that have entrusted themselves to following Jesus. Those of us, are, those that are Christians are those that have come to the end of self and realized we can't rescue ourselves, that we can't match up to God, that we can't meet his standards on our own, and we instead surrender our lives submitting to him, recognizing that Jesus has lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live, that he died the death on the cross that you and I deserve for our sins, and that he conquered sin and death and was raised to victorious life so that we too can have life. Christians are those who have entrusted their lives to Jesus, found life in him. And no matter how many times we talk about it, don't ever let this get away from you. There is no such thing as becoming a Christian by achievement, by effort, by what you've accomplished, by being a good person, by behaving properly. There's no such thing as becoming a Christian by achievement. A genuine profession of faith, what we saw in verse 3, a genuine profession of faith in Jesus, being able to proclaim from the heart, Jesus is Lord, You don't arrive there, you don't come to a place where that is true of you, you don't arrive there from self-exertion, from trying harder, from pulling yourself up by the bootstraps to be a better person and to attend church three out of four weeks and maybe God will like me and I'll be able to legitimately say Jesus is Lord. No, no one becomes a Christian through achievement. Are you with me on that? It's only... 
verse 3 tells us that a profession of faith, being able to say Jesus is Lord, only happens for those who are in the Spirit of God, who have God the Holy Spirit living within them. Because faith is given. Faith is a gift of God. Faith is given. It is, is a glorious gift. What does Ephesians 2 say? Look at the screen with me. For by grace, by God's grace, by his unmerited favor, by, his, by what you, you do not deserve, for by grace you have been saved, rescued, forgiven, given eternal life. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through trusting in Jesus. And this is not of your own doing. This is not achievement. This is not effort. This is not getting your act together so God will love you. Not by your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen? Are we thankful for that? And then, this is incredible. The good gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And if you put your trust, if you put your faith in Jesus alone for salvation, the Holy Spirit, God himself, the Spirit himself comes to live within us. Regenerating, regenerating, giving us new, a new heart and a new mind and new desires and new passions. The Spirit of God himself comes to live within us and transform us from the inside out, making us more and more like his son Jesus, empowering us to live for him. The Bible has a lot of things that we should do. The Bible has a lot of descriptions of how Christians are to live. But you know what's glorious? Is he gives us the power to do so. He says, go and live for me. Oh, by the way, I give you the Spirit of God to live within you, to empower you to live for me. So we are to be, because we are empowered by the Spirit of God, we are to be conduits of God's love. God's love over poured into us, overflowing out of our lives, conduits of God's love to those around us. The people we like and the people that we don't like so much. And because of God's great love for us, we are to be proclaimers of that good news, proclaimers of what Jesus has done so that other people will find life in him like we have. Let's look at verse four. Let's keep going in our passage. Back to verse four. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Did you catch the uh, Trinity in there? The three and our God, three in one. We sang just a few minutes ago, praise God, three in one. This biblical doctrine, this idea that God is a trinity. There is a threeness about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, the Bible is truthful and correct in saying that we have one God. There is a threeness, Father, Son, and Spirit, and a oneness, one God. And in verses four through six, we see it's the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God a sighting of the Trinity. And what do we want to see as we look at verses four through six, what do we want to see as we begin to study this, this, these things called spiritual gifts? Within the, within the unity of the Trinity, 
there is a diversity of divine persons. Okay, so let's start with that first phrase that's on the screen. There is a unity. God is one. One God that we serve. There is one true God of the universe. There is unity in that God. And yet within that unity is a diversity of of these divine persons. All three, Father, Son, and Spirit, fully God. A diversity within the unity. And so then that gives us a little glimpse of where our conversation is going this morning, where the Bible passage this morning is going, is that within the unity of the church, the church being a building, the church being a time slot on Sunday, or the church being a people, God's people, joining him in his mission to the world. Yes, within the unity of the church, here's our local expression of the church, and of course the church is universal, global, all followers of Jesus everywhere. Within the unity of the church, there is a diversity of gifts. You're gifted this way. God made you that way. You have this different gift. He wants you to contribute to the family in this way. And you are needed by the family because of this that God has given you. Diversity within the unity. Paul wants the Corinthians to see that their unity, he wants the Corinthian church that he's writing to, and God wants, Paul wants the Corinthian church that he's writing to. And I believe God through his word wants to speak to us this morning as well. That our unity can be improved, our unity can be enhanced as we appreciate the diversity of the giftedness, the diversity of the people around us. And that everybody has a contribution that is needed. That every follower of Jesus in a church family is needed and important to participate in and, and, and do what God is doing in that church family. So, so, for, so far so good? So now, what are these spiritual gifts then? The passage is going to begin talking about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Difficult to describe in many ways. Lots of nuance. But perhaps we'll just start here. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that God gives to each believer in Jesus for his glory, for his purposes. And to be shared with the church family. A a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. Something that I can do that you have to contribute, that you are needed, that's, that's enabled in us supernaturally. It's something that God works out of us. Not something of ourselves. Not something we're born with. Not a natural talent or a skill that I learned somewhere but rather a supernatural ability that is given to us by God. So so what are we not talking about with spiritual gifts? We're not talking about personality traits. We're not talking, those are, are those God-given? Yeah, but we're not, that's not what a spiritual gift is. Are, we're not talking about strengths and weaknesses. Are those God-given? Yep, that's not what a spiritual gift is though. Natural talents, things that we're born with. Some are more athletic than others. Some are more musical, have a better musical ear than others. Are those from God? Absolutely, but that's not what we're talking about. Skills, things I learned in school or from practice, not what I'm talking about. All those things, though, are God-given, right? God is the God of creativeness and, 
and amazingness and uniqueness. And, and I look around the room and I think about the various ways that God has created you uniquely, personality and skills and strengths and weaknesses and talents. But those things are different than a spiritual gift. Here's how we can distinguish a little bit. Um, talents come from genetics or training. Spiritual gifts are supernatural, empowered by the Holy Spirit living within you. See the difference there? Another one. Um, talents, skills, personality traits. Who, who in the world has those? Everybody. Everybody made by God, created in the image of God, has those things, but believers and non-believers, followers of Jesus and non-followers of Jesus, have personality and talents and strengths and skills. Spiritual gifts are different because they are for followers of Jesus. People that have submitted their lives to Christ and been changed by him and been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, one of the resulting aspects of being indwelled by the Spirit of God living within you, follower of Jesus, is that he has given you a spiritual gift or gifts. And then also would be the use of these, talents, skills, versus spiritual gifts. How are they used? Talents, skills, personality traits, those can be used to accomplish kind of anything you put your mind to in, in, in our earthly experience, right? Your job, school, interactions, you can put those things to use. But specifically, spiritual gifts are for God's glory, for pointing to Jesus. He gives us a spiritual gift so that we will put it into action to be a blessing to brothers and sisters in Christ, for his purposes, for his glory. Verse 7, when we think about what spiritual gifts are, verse 7 says there, it is a manifestation of the Spirit. It, is, it is, a, is, a, is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It is a revealing of the Holy Spirit. Our spiritual gifts are a way that the Holy Spirit works in you and through you uniquely. Verse 6 and 11 remind us of something really important that we'll come back to again. Verses 6 and 11 remind us that they are, uh, spiritual gifts are empowered by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this, is, this reminded me as I studied this week, and this is something we should remember. The Bible is clear in many places. The Bible teaches the role of the Holy Spirit. Remember the God, the Trinity. Unity, right? One God. But our one God has an, a, a threeness about him, Father, Son, and Spirit. And Father, Son, and Spirit are all God. All three are fully God. And that all three are unique. And all three have uh, roles that God has given them. And it's important for us to know that the Bible teaches that the role of the Holy Spirit is to point us to and exalt Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't, want, doesn't mind if you don't know much about him. The Holy Spirit's work is that we would see and exalt Jesus. Everything the Spirit does is for that purpose. And so those, those indwelled by the Holy Spirit, people, followers of Jesus, indwelled by the Spirit, we make much of Jesus. Jesus. Because that's what the Spirit is doing within us. 
And so uh, some scholars also want to give us this insight about spiritual gifts. Some scholars refer to spiritual gifts as grace gifts. This is from the root of the word, but it's a great picture, too, that, that, that we should consider spiritual gifts that God gives us through the Spirit to be grace gifts. They are manifestations of the Spirit, but they are also manifestations of God's grace to us. His, un, his unmerited favor toward us undeserving sinners. A, a proof, an evidence that God loves us and has rescued us from sin and death. A manifestation of his grace in our lives is that we have these spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts is for us, yes, but to be shared. God gifts us so that we will share that with his people. We're going to keep talking about that. And so like our salvation, when we think of spiritual gifts as grace gifts, we think about our, we, we talked a few minutes ago about our salvation. The, the, the fact that we have, sinful you and I, have been made right, put back in relationship with a holy and perfect God is a gift of grace. And so like our salvation, spiritual gifts are a Gift. They're a gift. They're given. It's not something you earned, something you behaved, and he said, ooh, nice kid. Followed his parents six out of seven times. He gets this spiritual gift. No, it's a gift. It's not earned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. But here's where the challenge might come. Do we have a, do we have a clue what a pure gift is. Do we really experience gifts or give gifts as a pure gift? Or do we apply our achievement mentality to receiving gifts? Do we receive a gift and think, well, I earned it. Even if it was by nature of, of the occasion, right? I mean, I could, I could kind of think that even if it was the, hey, my birthday's this month. I got a gift. I earned it because it was my birthday. I got a gift because I had a retirement party. I got a gift because it was my 50th anniversary. I earned it. I did something to get the gift. I deserve that bonus because I worked hard. I was nice, not naughty, so Christmas worked out better. What is our perception of gifts? And do we, have, do we really have an idea of what a pure gift looks like? I graduated. I did all that darn schoolwork, so I graduated and got a gift. We think of gifts to mark achievements. We think of gifts... Um, as something that we've accomplished or deserved or earned. So pure gifts, a kindness gift that is not attached to achievement, do those happen in our lives? Yeah. Some of you can think of some amazingly thoughtful and generous people around you, and you maybe have been a, been a recipient of a kind, thoughtful gift that was not attached to you having achieved something or earned it or deserved it. And so those, those gifts, those pure gifts are 
rare and beautiful. That's the gifts of God. Rare and beautiful and pure and unattached to your merit, to your behavior. We evaluate gifts, though, don't we? We evaluate our gifts. And then they cause us to feel a certain way. Perhaps you've gotten a gift and you then feel indebted to the other person. Well, now I need to get them something. Or perhaps you've gotten a gift and then you feel cheated because you know you did better on your giving them a gift than they did. We evaluate our gifts. Or we just don't like our gift and we give it back. We just return it. We call Amazon. Send me an empty box. As we continue in the scripture here, we're going to go to verse 7 in just a moment. I want to to ask this. Let's put this question on the screen. I want us to think about this the next few minutes. Do we tend to gift grab or gift give? And what I mean by that is if we're gift grabbers, then then we grab it and we keep it for ourselves. We use it for ourselves. It's for me. I earned it. I deserve I'm a gift grabber. Or are we a gift giver? Let's, let's have that question in mind as we continue in the passage. Look back with me at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, to another faith, to another the gifts of healing, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. This is just a, a listing of, of, of spiritual gifts. He's, he's rattling off these different possible ways that God would give you a supernatural ability to be a blessing to the church and point all glory to Jesus. And then verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so I'm going to spend the next few minutes doing a little, a quick FAQ, frequently asked questions about spiritual gifts that may be coming to your mind, that have come to your mind before, and we're going to attempt to, or not attempt, to answer some of them. (laughs) First one is, is what exactly are these gifts? Hey, we just heard a list. We just heard all these things mentioned, wisdom and prophecy and miracles and healing and spirits and tongues. What are these? I'm just going to tell you right now a detailed description of what each of those spiritual gifts is beyond the scope of our time this morning, but that when Pastor Jake preaches in the near future, he'd be glad to explain it all to you in great detail. (laughs) There's nothing controversial about the spiritual gifts. He'll explain it all, and he'll tell you exactly where, you know, okay. You got that? You ready for that? Okay, yeah. Well, welcome to staff. (laughs) obviously I'm teasing, but I will say this. Uh, This topic is coming here for a few more weeks, and and specifically as it relates to the spiritual gifts called tongues and prophecy, there's more about them in chapter 14, and so I anticipate that we'll have a little more discussion about those in 14. Uh, But but seriously, for the sake of this morning and time this morning, I'm not going to go into a detailed definition of each um, one. Another, uh, this is why I said at the beginning, I love this topic, but it's going to merit a good amount of study. And so if it's something you're interested in, you can, you can take a closer look. Another frequently asked question, are these all the spiritual gifts? Are these all of them? <laughs> I heard a couple answers. Well, here's the deal. Yep, yeah, nope, 
We'll see. Not sure. That'd be my answer. On the screen is a, is a list of, um, these are the three most common spiritual gift lists. If you want to jot those down and read them later, that's not the only place the Bible talks about things that, that could be considered spiritual gifts, but these are the three main places that list some of the spiritual gifts. And so sometimes people read those lists and the approximately 20 spiritual gifts that are listed in those three lists. And so some people read those lists and, and hear those 20 spiritual gifts mentioned and ask the question, well, is that all of them? Are these lists exhaustive? And, and I would say good Bible-believing, Jesus-loving people that are way smarter than me and have been studying this for a long time come to different conclusions here. And so I don't want to get hung up on it. On, uh, someone I love and respect and is a close mentor of mine and what one of my professors in seminary would say that this list might be exhaustive, that God's word in, in, in the, within the whole book may have in one place or another listed all the spiritual gifts. Or, or they might be, in some ways, the spiritual gifts might be categories within which are, are some more specific things, maybe. Others look at the Bible, study the Bible, and come to this reasonable conclusion. Hey, these authors weren't trying to list every spiritual gift that exists. They gave us some examples of the kind of things that God might empower and give us a supernatural ability in. So maybe they come to the conclusion that the list is not exhaustive. I want to keep moving to things that we do know, okay? But I, but, I knew that, but I know that's a curiosity. Another frequently asked question. How do I know what my spiritual gift is? Anybody want to know that? Any follower of Jesus ever asked that question? What is my spiritual gift? Well, again, pretty difficult to, to know exactly, pretty difficult to, to help in, in some simple way you to figure it out. But here's a, here's a, a list on the screen of a couple things that, that might point you in this right direction over your life as a Christian. Ask yourself, what do I love? Ask yourself, what am I good at? Now remember, earlier we were distinguishing between skills, acquired talents, natural talents, uh, personality traits, so I'm not talking about those things, but, but, but still asking these questions will still potentially point you in the right direction to learn from God what your spiritual gift is. Does that make sense? What do I love? What am I good at? Now, what do I mean by the third one up there? Sometimes I feel like in a church family, people are paralyzed by the fact they don't know what their spiritual gift is. I know I'm supposed to serve my church family. I know I'm supposed to volunteer or get involved or do something within the church and outside the church to be a help. But I don't know what my spiritual gift is. So I just won't do anything. Sorry if I nailed you on that one. My advice there is try stuff. Get involved. See a need within the church family and go help. Get involved. Serve in that way. Try this area out. Ask someone else, hey, where do you think I'd be good? And that's kind of what the last one there is, is what gifts are affirmed by others? I think as we get involved and we ask God to use us and we start to do stuff, as we start to try things, I think you're going to find that other followers of Jesus around you are going to affirm in you how they see God at work within you in a unique way that not everybody has, and they're going to encourage you. You know what? I think you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. I think you have the spiritual gift of, 
of helps. I think you have the spiritual gift of leadership. People around us are going to begin to affirm the way that God is at work within us. And so those, this is not a prescription, right? This is not a, a, a recipe that's going to, you know, you, you're going to do in the next five minutes and you're going to know exactly what spiritual gift you have. I'm just suggesting that over your life as a follower of Jesus, that you ask yourself some of these things if you haven't already done that. And I think you should keep doing it as you grow in Christ and as you progress in life. Ask these questions, ask people around you, ask God to reveal to you, and begin to be aware of what your spiritual gifts could be. But if you're not sure exactly which one or more than one, don't worry about it. God wants to use you in serving. Or if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, send an email to matt at faithchurchdallas.org, and I'm sure he'll, you'll get a quick reply with exactly your spiritual gift. Sure. <laughs> but here's the deal. Perhaps more important than, than what the gifts actually are, you know, what is the gift of encouragement? What does the gift of administration actually mean? Uh, how, how does interpretation of tongues look? Instead of getting hung up there, instead of getting too worried about which one I have or don't have, I'm encouraging us this, that as we follow Jesus... Just know this, that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to him, the spirit of God has come to live within you and is empowering you to live for him. And part of being empowered by the spirit is receiving a spiritual gift. And so instead of being worried about some of those things we can't quite figure out or we're not quite sure, let's let's at least see what God's word today in in our passage today does tell us. Okay? What are some key things we want to keep in mind? If you look back at verse 11 you'll see these couple of key reminders. We are gifted according to God's will. Why is that one important? Because you might be starting to come to grips with what your spiritual gift may or may not be, or which one you have as opposed to which one you don't have. And the Corinthians, the Corinthian church, was overvaluing some of the gifts. So that made those people really important in the Corinthian church. And they were undervaluing some of the spiritual gifts. And that made those people in the Corinthian church lame. And if we're not careful in 2020, we can feel that way about ourselves and what we have to contribute to a church family. We can look around the room and we can think, man, that guy's so encouraging. That person is such a servant. That, that, uh, she, is so, she has such administrative skills. And with, I, I, I'm lame. I got nothing. But what does verse 11 remind us? That we are gifted according to God's will. You got what he wanted you to get. And you got what he needs you to contribute to your church family. And next week, we're going to see why if that contribution doesn't come to your church family, the church family is, is hurt because of it. We are better together. We are better when our spiritual giftedness is contributed to the whole. Make sense? And verse 11 also reminds us this important thing we've been talking about all the way through, that our spiritual gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're different than natural talents or skills we've worked on or personality traits that we've had since birth. 
These are, are things that are empowered by the Spirit. You don't have a spiritual gift if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you have given your life to Christ, realize it's, it's through Christ alone that we have salvation. Then the Spirit of God has come to live within you and is making you new from the inside out and giving you a spiritual gift and empowering you to use it. And then look at, and if you look at verse 7, here's the last two good reminders. Verse 7 has for us, who has a spiritual gift? Every follower of Jesus. Throughout our passage, it said things like, to each. So don't get lied to and feel like you're some sub-level Christian who God skipped over and didn't give a spiritual gift. If you're a true follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. And number, and number four, verse seven reminds us what are the gifts for. You can read number four. For the common good. They're for the common good. We, we think of gifts, don't we? We could think of gifts in two ways. Imagine the last time you received a gift. Picture it in your mind. Hopefully it was wrapped. Okay, it's in your lap. You unwrap it. This is two options. We receive a gift. We open it. We use it for self. We enjoy it. It's for us. Or it's for the common good. And you think about this. God gave you, follower of Jesus, a spiritual gift. And so we think of it in our language. We receive a gift and we use it. But wait a second. If what he gave you is a gift... What are gifts for? To be given, right? You see that quick, distingu that, that quick distinguishing thing right there? We think of a gift as grab it, use it. But God gave you a spiritual gift. You have that wrapped gift in your lap, and it's actually not for you to open. It's actually for you to open and give. You see what I'm saying? You have a spiritual gift, and it's for the common good. It's for others, and it's for the glory of God. It's not, for, it's not my skill that brings attention to me and makes me better than others. It's a spiritual gift that's to be used for the benefit of others, for the common good, and for the glory of Jesus. So do we tend to be gift grabbers or gift givers? And uh, as we finish, I just want to read you something and then we'll, then we'll pray. As we think about that question again, do we tend to gift grab or gift give? I want to read to you just a couple paragraphs as we think about the ultimate example for us. Who is the ultimate giver? Our great God is the ultimate giver. He's the giver of grace gifts. Listen, with, listen closely to this, if you would, and then I'll pray. In our passage, we're trying to emphasize the inner life of the Godhead, the Trinity of God. The Spirit gives, the Son serves, and God the Father energizes his people with great power to serve the common good. Listen to the diversity within the unity of the Trinity. Listen to the various roles of God and the kind of God that we have. The Son sends the Spirit, the Son, gives. The Father sends the Son. You see what kind of God we have? A God who is hogging it to himself or a God who is giving? And the Spirit gives life and also gives gifts. 
So it's no longer about gift grabbing because Jesus did not consider his gifts or abilities something to be held on to. Jesus wasn't involved in gift grabbing, gift grasping, or gift exploiting, but he gave up his life. After Jesus Christ sacrificed his life through his service to sinners, the Spirit gave grace gifts to each member of Christ's church. God is a giver by nature. The Father gave the Son to redeem us. God did not have to give. If anyone deserved to be given to, it was him. But he looked at us and all of our sin and our hoarding and our non-giving, and he freely gave of himself. The Son accomplished and achieved redemption, rescue for us. Jesus perfectly achieved what sinners never could so that they are free to receive the gift they could never deserve. He overturned the culture of achievement, of striving, of needing to behave, of thinking we had to match up. He overturned the culture of achievement and created the culture of giving. That's what spiritual gifts are for. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you are a giving God. A God who looked upon us, knew us, saw the depths of our hearts, the realities of our sins, and yet, God, we thank you that you are a God who did not leave us stuck in that sin and separated from you, but, we, God, we thank you that you are a giving God who sent your Son, who gave your only Son to live and die and be raised again for us. God, we thank you that you are a giving God, and we want to be giving people, not because of not for our own reputation or not to earn brownie points with you. God, we want to be a giving people because you are our giving God. We don't want to live for ourselves. Would you teach us to live for the common good? Would you help us individually and collectively as a church family to be a blessing to those around us in our spheres of influence, in our town, in our state, in our country, and to the ends of the earth? God, out of your giving generosity, would we give of ourselves? Would you show us what our spiritual gifts are? Would you remind us that they're not for us, but to be given freely to point others to you so that many would give you glory? Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the new life that we have because of the cross. God, you have given us a grace gift of our salvation through Jesus. And as we submit our lives to you, Father, I pray that you would empower us to use the grace gifts that you have given us for your glory, according to your purposes, for your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.